Spring is in the air at Gage Cannabis. Visit their sensational aroma bar where you can experience the scent of terpenes and compare it to flower on their delectable menu. Gage Cannabis Company offers a wide assortment of the best cannabis brands and exclusive products. Shop great selection and accessories galore at their Air Store. Located on Route 110, Gage is family-owned and operated since 2018. Make your way over to Gage Cannabis today and meet their friendly bud tenders. Open seven days a week. For more information, Google Gage Cannabis Co. in air. Please consume responsibly. This product may cause impairment and may be habit-forming. There may be health risks associated with consumption of this product. This product has not been analyzed or approved by the Food and Drug Administration. There is limited information on the side effects of using this product, and there may be associated health risks. Marijuana use during pregnancy and breastfeeding may pose potential harms. It is against the law to drive or operate machinery when under the influence of this product. Keep this product away from children. There may be health risks associated with the consumption of this product. Marijuana can impair concentration, coordination, and judgment. The impairment effects of edible marijuana may be delayed by two hours or more. In case of accidental ingestion, contact Poison Control Hotline at 1-800-222-1222 or 911. This product may be illegal outside of Massachusetts. Massachusetts State License Number MR281248. B-Pod Studios. It's Boston's most listened to afternoon radio program. Vulgar mm. and Mass. You need a little bit of fat in there for flavor. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. 98.5, the Sports Hub. We got Mac. Someone got killed. We got a tackle. Oh, when you just got... Uh, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Wilkerson involved in a little scuffle, and wow, he's got, he got yeah. plowed over. So what happened is... <laughs> I like the referee throwing the flag. <laughs> Thanks. Wilkerson made the catch, but got tackled. Yeah. Bill's not going to like all his guys running across the field right here. He took exception to that Wilkerson, uh, you know, in front of the uh, Panthers bench. Wow, this is still oh, going. We got really, some 25s throwing punches. And, and Wilkerson just got mauled. And wow. this, this is still going on, folks. Wow. And uh, Ferentz is uh, the whole, restraining all, Damian The Harris. whole team is coming over now from the other fields. Yeah, yeah. it's not good. That was not good. This is not good. This all started because Wilkerson got tackled and didn't like it and started jawing with the Panthers, and then things, you know, escalated from there. Still sending Wilkerson to the, uh, the locker room. Oh, and Bourne. Yeah, Bourne was... So you were right, Evan. You got Bourne. Bourne in 24, was it? You said 25 for... 25 for the Panthers, I saw. They were they were squaring up on the And there's a, there's a Panther going to the locker room, too. Uh, I don't know. I can't see the number because it's, it's a 20... It's probably 25. Yeah. But I can't... 25, I think, yeah. Okay. Yep. All right, thanks to our friends at Patriots.com. Just give me a little play-by-play, a little flavor of what went on at training camp today in the joint practices with the Carolina Panthers, and that's where we will begin on a big boy Tuesday. Medium boy Tuesday, whatever we want to call it. We got Greg Bedard with the Maz and Murray in our temporary town for tire studios in Needham. I remain remote. Fellas, how we all doing? Good. 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 We're peachy. We're peachy. So, Greg, turn on your mic. Tell us about uh, today at camp that fight. Hit it again, now. Greg. Make it go green. There you go. Oh. Green means go. Just quickly. Just ta- once. Tap it. Tap. Just tap it. There, 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 there you go. go. Hey, all right. There we go. What do we think about today, big fella? Uh, I thought it was a good day for the Patriots overall. I thought there was um, – yeah, I thought the offense was – it was certainly better. I wouldn't call it good, uh, but uh, certainly advanced from train wreck status to, uh, you know, I thought they did some good things. I thought we saw a little bit effectiveness of the, the new parts of their offense. Um, 
you know, uh, I wouldn't say the run blocking was great, but they ran a lot of plays off of that, you know, the action, the play action. Hey, let's run outside zone. Let's run boot back. Guy open in the middle of the field, that sort of stuff. So I thought that the for the offense, it was a day of progress, and I thought the defense was lights out. I, I wasn't watching that field very much because – Obviously, much of my focus is on the offense and what's going on there. Uh, but when I did look over there, it looked like the, the defense was doing a really good job. I thought Jalen Mills had an outstanding day. I thought Matthew Judon got a lot of pressure, also did well against the run. So uh, overall, uh, a, a good day for the Patriots. All right, let's because we start with the play-by-play of the fight, what would you make of all the, the fracas? Was it, was it a fake fight? you think the coaches really wanted it, uh, et cetera, et cetera? It was not a fake fight. I thought that, uh, so that was on the field right in front of the media tent. Uh, it was the Patriots offense against the Carolina defense. And let's just say that the, the Carolina defense was asserting its physicality. I mean, I think the first play of scrimmage, Damian Harris got tackled to the ground, which the Patriots do not do that. And Bill said, you know, let's stay on our feet. And uh, the Panthers were definitely getting some late pops in. During that session, uh, I thought that they were also talking a lot of trash, given the opportunity, and I think finally the Patriots had enough. Christian Wilkerson certainly took offense to some late contact from the Panthers. And then, I mean, to see Kendrick Bourne throw a punch uh, after the initial skirmish to a guy's helmet, I, I never understand that, but you know, just go ahead and break your hand on somebody's helmet uh, as a wide receiver, and he got tossed. And then it, you know, you had guys running over from the other field. Uh, it calmed down for a few plays. Then it got going again. James Ferentz was right in the middle of it. He was sort of pleading his case to Belichick, and then they brought the each coach brought their teams in. They talked to him, sort of cooled off, and then the last forty five minutes of practice was was without incident. I don't. It wasn't fake at all. I don't think it was staged. I think it was typical of a joint practice where, you know, one team's talking a lot of trash. Maz, Murray, you have any thoughts before I continue the interrogation? Well, you you mentioned that Jalen Mills had a good day, and I found it interesting because I thought he was – he wasn't that great last year, right? Mm-hmm. But he was getting matched up with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson at different points today. So, like, that's – I mean, that's a legit – those are legit wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I wouldn't go – I wouldn't go celebrating too much. The Panthers right now, uh, they're limited. They do have some talent offensively. Uh, They're obviously going through a quarterback competition, so that makes practice a little bit uh, herky-jerky for them. But look, Jalen Mills, from basically day one of training camp, he has been terrific. Uh, he, He has certainly been one of my top players of camp so far. He has taken another step. To me, he is clearly the best cornerback on this team right now make of that what you will but he's backed it up I mean every time he's gotten a chance whether it's in practice today in the joint practice he had a really nice play uh when they were running sort of situational hey one minute left we're going to score uh him and Miles Bryant were detached from the formation against receivers they had a hand signal they uh it was very similar to the Malcolm Butler Super Bowl play and Jalen Mills stepped in front, got a hand on it. Uh, that That's pretty typical of him in practice. He's always getting his hands on balls. I think he's been outstanding at camp so far. Okay, so your email that you sent to us when you came out of practice, Greg, said uh, first team, and I, you know, first team offense, ran 39 plays. Mack completed 21 of 35, which is 60%, with five sacks. He said most were short. 
but there were some plays down the field. You said they ran six running plays. Four were stuffed. So you think that was a, a decent day? <laughs> For what we had seen previously in the previous two weeks? Hell yeah. It was like watching the 84 49ers for crying out loud from where they were. Uh, but yeah, look, it's they're making incremental gains, I would say, in terms of what they're doing, bringing elements of this new offense in. And this is something I think that we've talked about. This team needed to see some success. Now, I will say, uh, you know, I don't know how much of this success like today was a bit contrived, constructed. By Belichick, maybe in conjunction with Matt Rule in terms of what the Panthers were doing defensively because I could only count maybe twice. And it was a very heavy passing session where the Panthers blitz. Now, look, they don't blitz a lot. Their scheme, they're pretty much a 4-3 zone scheme. So you combine the zone with no uh, blitzing, very rarely blitzing, and... You know, it's it's a good situation for the Patriots to sort of get on track. And do do I think maybe Belichick and Rule had a conversation before this happened about like, hey, you know, this is where we are. Maybe Matt Rule probably told Bill, hey, we're in a quarterback competition. Throw the kitchen sink. The Patriots were very, they dialed things up. Now I don't know how much pressure they actually brought, but they're putting six guys on the line, linebackers up there. You don't see the Panthers doing any of that stuff. Of course, it's not their scheme. That's not what they do. But I think that if I had to guess, I think Bill worked with Matt Rule to sort of make it a little easier for the Patriots. All right, let, let me ask you in these terms, and I don't know if this is fair or not, but you said relative to what we've seen, they look like the 84 Niners. Yep. Okay, take out what we've seen. Just try to grade them as being an NFL team. Okay, what what? How would you describe the offense, or what grade would you give it? What was it? I would say there. Uh, I would give it about a C, in terms of now where they are right now, is where I expected to see them a week ago. Okay, so they're behind now. Can they catch up? You know, we'll see. But that's where I think they are. I think they're an average NFL offense right now, and they're still definitely working through some things, keeping things simple. Um, you know, a few basic plays here and there, and they're trying to build success from that. And today was a good step forward from them because, trust me, they were experiencing no success uh, before today in terms of their offense. How do you feel about them overall, Greg? How do you feel about your team? Uh, it's hard to get a handle on them. I mean, I, I, I want to say that I, I really like the defense. I like where they're going. And I do think, and I think we talked about this even before the season, uh, that I was more optimistic about the cornerbacks than a lot of people. I think that they do have some nice pieces. Now, I need to see a lot more in terms of the games to see what this Jonathan Jones experiment means and and how it's going to go. I mean, he was a slot for a reason, and he wasn't playing on the boundary ever before this year. And that tells you that that they're doing this. The Patriots looked at Terrence Mitchell – Malcolm Butler, Juwan Williams, who's now out for the season reportedly, um, you know, and whoever else they have a cornerback, they looked at it and they said it's not good enough. So we're going to put our guy who's basically be a full-time slot cornerback and we're going to move him to the outside. That's a drastic change. Is that going to work? Is the pass rush going to be good enough to offset where they are in the secondary? I don't know, but I like the defense. The offense is going to be a work in progress all season. Uh, I'm not optimistic about the offense and, and and them taking another step. 
to me, that's a foregone conclusion. I don't think they're going to improve on what they did last year as an offense. But, you know, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. All right, we're going to talk some football with Greg. Anything you want on the team, 617-779-0985. Are you sick of us talking about the coaching and the play calling and Patricia and Judge? Then call up Greg and ask him about something else. Because if you don't call up Greg and ask him about something else, the next line of questioning will be on Patricia, Judge, and the offensive play calling. So this is really up to you. All right? So I'm going to, I'm going to exactly, I'm going to put it in your hands. You, you, you think it's too much? Then you tell us what you want to talk about. Before we do hit the break, though, before we do hit the break, real quick, Greg, what do you think about Patricia and the play calling and where we stand today on that? Uh, I'm in the, the Tom Curran thing, and I think I said this on post game the other night. You know, and, and you couple it with what Bill said the next day where he talked about we have a process and we're in a process. What could that process be? I think it's Joe Judge is going to be the play caller. I don't know if he's going to be the offensive coordinator, but I think at some point, I don't know if it's this season, I don't know if it's next season, I think they are grooming him. Their process is getting him ready to be the play caller because, as we talked about before, and I watched Matt Patricia after every single uh, series last week in terms of, you know, I, I put it on my stopwatch. There was four four minutes and 25 seconds after a possession where Matt Patricia was not with the offensive line and David Andrews is there on a tablet on a knee in front of these guys going over adjustments. And it that's just not sustainable during the season. I mean, I've watched Dante Scarnecchia for years. Dante Scarnecchia is watching the plays, taking notes, as soon as those guys get off the field, they go to their area of the bench, and Dante's talking about the adjustments they need to make. You need that to, to dial up pressures, any, anything that you're seeing differently on film. You need the offensive line coach to dive right into that and get the adjustments done. And with Matt Patricia, if he's the offensive coordinator and the play caller, I don't see how that works. Okay, we've got more of that coming unless you get in the way of it. 617-779-0985. To you right after this. And of course he looks good. And Mass. Because Matt Jones is out there with some tight shirt and looks hot. I never said he looked hot. Felger and Mass. He's got like that tapered torso thing. 98.5, the sports up. You know, I thought uh, the game last week it was, it was certainly fun. You know, it was great to do that. Certainly on the other side of the ball. Um, you know, the, the biggest difference I would say, just to kind of sum it up, would be um, we're going first. You know, a lot of times, you know, defensively you're waiting. Uh, this time it was like it was good just to be able to kind of get the call out there and, and let him go play. So that was probably the biggest difference. Matt Patricia on the play calling last week. A topic I will gladly ignore. <laughs> As long as you want to talk about something else, and apparently you do. So let's go right to it. Uh, calls with Craig Bedard, Philip in Winchester. What do you got for us, Philip? Hey, guys. Greg, interested to hear your take on what the linebackers look like. Um, recent headline this week Rokon Smith uh, unhappy in Chicago. Anything outside of uh, Rokon Smith or anyone still available in free agents that you expect the Patriots to, to take a stab at? I do not expect the Patriots to bring in anybody else a linebacker. I think they they have a room that they like. Um, you know, other people might not like them. There might not be a whole lot of name recognition. I mean, they're they're only playing two linebackers, and that's only on the first two downs. Then they really only go to one linebacker. So, uh, you know, Roquan Smith is an excellent player for sure. It's going to cost you some capital. I doubt that the Patriots want to do something like that. They're going to start with Bentley and Raquan McMillan in the middle. 
Uh, I think that, uh, you know, Mac Wilson is a guy who is, who is interesting, who certainly flashes at times, did in this preseason game. He's, he could run and hit. That's for sure. I thought he had a lot of issues in pass coverage. Uh, on the, there were back to back plays where he just got lost. He got sucked into play action. That's sort of the book on him. Like if he, if he can just limit his thinking and just say, Hey, there's the ball. I'm going to it. Heat seeking missile, you know, really fast. Um, you know, built really well, but all of a sudden now, if he has to run around and decipher things and coverages and things like that, he, that's where his weaknesses show up and he's got a long ways to go in that regard from what I've seen so far. Dan in the car on the running backs. What do you got, Dan? Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, quick question. So, uh, obviously, I love me some Damian Harris. Um, my question would be, uh, what have you guys seen from, you know, J.J. Taylor, the rookie, Ty Montgomery, and especially Ramondre, who, you know, showed flashes of brilliance last year. Uh, I'm wondering if maybe Ramondre could step up into the lead role, if they could find a third, uh, third down back and maybe facilitate some sort of a trade to Harris to get back maybe somebody in the secondary. I don't know your thoughts. I'll hang up and listen. Okay, how, how does that all shake out, and who is the third down back? Uh, as of right now, I guess you would have to say Ramondre Stevenson, I guess. I mean, we're, we're going to see how it develops. I think Ty Montgomery is a guy who will get a lot of time in the backfield. Does that make him the third down back? I don't know. I don't think they've, they've come close to figuring that out. Certainly, when you talk about Harrison Stevenson, uh, there's an avenue there where Stevenson is clearly their number one option at running back and say one of the rookies develops like, you know, Kevin Harris is more of a uh, first two down back. Pierre Strong is more of a receiving back. Uh, to this point, you would say that neither rookie have sh- has shown anything. And you're actually at this point, you're hoping they get the Fox for a flu and, and re- red shirt huh. for a year. And, you know, you go with. Harris, Stevenson, Montgomery, and possibly J.J. Taylor. J.J. Taylor, I think, has done a decent job this year when given the opportunities. It's really hard when you talk about the running backs in terms of how they run the ball so far to say anything because they can't block at this point. And so it's been really hard to judge. They certainly, Harris and Stevenson have not popped in camp. That's not their fault. You guys know me. I'm all about the blocking when it comes to running backs. If it's good blocking, Maz could run through the hole and be a productive running back. But if the blocking's terrible, then you know they're they're going to struggle. And I think they have so far. But I love Stevenson. I love Harris. Ideally, uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Damian Harris. Ideally, one of the rookies emerges, and that allows you to deal Damian Harris, who's in the final year of his contract. You're not going to give a running back a real contract, anyways. That's not what they do around here. So ideally you deal him, but you're going to have to have other options on the team to make you feel good enough about that, and I don't think anyone has come close to emerging yet. Montgomery's going to be the third down back. He's got to be it. I don't know that, you know, Bill's not going to put a a rookie back there who can't pick up up blitzes. It's got to be Montgomery. Okay, not good enough. I I, I just, he was barely good enough at the end of his time in Green Bay, and that was three years ago? When was that? It was forever ago. No, not good enough. Stephen Haverhill, what do you got, Steve? Hey, Greg, I want to know, ultimately, where do you really think the Pats are going to be in the AFC East? And do you think there's a chance they're going to be a playoff team this year? Okay, so, of course you know, there's I a ask, chance. Of course there's a chance. I asked this the other day. You know, what, what are their playoff odds? Because the uh, Red Sox are at 5% or something like that. The Patriots are 40% to make the playoffs. 60-40 against is really what it is to make the playoffs. That's where I, I have them a little lower. I, on the Felger big board, I'd go like 
25% chance of making the playoffs. I'm kind of down on them. Where do you have them, Greg? I would say that split, that 40-60 you know, split is is accurate. I think that um, as of right now, where they are today, and it could change tomorrow, it could change next week, uh, where they are today, you would say that the chances are probably stronger that they don't make the playoffs um, because of they're probably going to take a step back on offense. The defense, I think, hopefully will be a little bit better. At least they have younger legs, so hopefully they'll be better through the end of the season than they have been the last few years. Uh, but in terms of the AFC East, you know, I think it's going to be between them and the Dolphins duking it out for second place in the division. Um, you know, I look, the grand experiment, we're going to see. Everyone wants the Patriots want to put in this new system without an expert in the Shanahan scheme. The Dolphins have an expert in the Shanahan scheme. We'll, we'll see which had the better plan pretty quickly. And from the reports out of Miami, their defense has been lights out uh, down there. A lot of pressure. Really, Their secondary is unbelievable down in Miami. So if you're the Patriots, you got to hope that the first-year coach is in a little bit over his head. They're not quite ready. They don't click on all cylinders. That two is not as good, even though two has beaten you, what, three times in a row, I think, here? And uh, so, look, I, I would favor the Dolphins right now in the AFC East, but Things can change. Mike, ju- just just because we've talked about this the last couple of days, we have now have four votes on this, right, in terms of what their playoff odds are. You're at 25%. Now I'm at 30. I think Mario is at 35, and Greg's at 40. So, like, just think of that. 40% chance of making the playoffs is on the high end. That's on the high end, which means that, it, I, like, I've yet to meet someone who thinks that they're a playoff team as a majority over 50%. No, no. I think the large, I think the large majority of people look at them and say they're, they're, they're not going to the playoffs. Yeah, we don't get any of those calls, but you watch. When they start out 7-3, and three, we'll get the calls. You guys, you guys didn't give them a chance. So you, I, we'll hear it after the fact. Believe me, that's coming. Tony and Westwood, what do you got, Tony? Hey, hey, Greg. Thanks for all your work. Uh, question about the um, defensive line with, you know, kind of the movement towards faster and younger um, and the emergence of Roberts and Ray. What are your thoughts on particularly Sam Roberts and Ray? And maybe there'll be a surprise cut on the defensive line. Yeah, I think that um, Roberts, he flashed the other night, but it was against, you know, not good competition. So Garbage. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't write home about that. I mean, he has not stood out in any of the practices so far. Um, make of that what you will. Might also be against garbage. Go yeah. ahead. I mean, but, you know, as I said last week, LeBron Ray was a guy to watch. He continues to be a guy to watch. He has, he already has solidified a role on this team. When you watch practice, when you watch the games, uh, he has a role. And so, to me, he he's on the team. Anybody getting cut or moved, I don't really see it. I mean, they, they don't have a whole lot of depth up there. It's basically the same cast of characters as last year. Uh, Carl Davis has to back up Gotchow. He's the only nose tackle on the team. Um, you know, Henry Anderson, yeah, he could get cut maybe. Uh, but, you know, he's a decent player. But you have to look at it, it in terms of – I don't know how you view like a guy like Ronnie Perkins. I mean, to you, is that a defensive lineman? To, to me, he's an edge guy, a different category. And so far, he has done nothing. He did flash, I think, a couple times in that game against, you know, third stringers. But in terms of training camp practices, he hasn't done anything at all since he's been here. Okay, so so let me ask you this, because I think earlier on in the show, and I'm probably going to misquote you now, but so be it. Shocking. But you like what the defense has done in camp. Mm-hmm. 
But personnel-wise, if you go through, it doesn't feel to me like you like them. In other words, the front seven you said is essentially the same. The linebacking. Well, no, no. The front, the defensive line is the defensive line is the same. Okay, is the linebacking core better or worse? I think it's I think it's better. I mean, it's Bentley plus whatever else you have. I think Raquan McMillan, even though he's a guy who hasn't really flashed in practices, not compared to what he did last year. You know, he's coming back from the injury, but I think he's a good player. I think he's going to give them a lot more speed and be a better player. I like their cornerbacks. I like their makeup. I don't know how all the the pieces fit right now, but I think they have enough players to do it. But the big thing I think, Maz. With the with the defense is in sub packages. Who's going to be the rusher opposite Judon? We all think it's going to be Uche. He hasn't really done anything so far. Ronnie Perkins, no. Who's it going to be? If you know, the previous caller asked about Roquan Smith. If I'm the Patriots, if this continues on the way that the, it's going, then I'm looking for an edge player to get to trade for at the deadline, whatever, to improve this team because right now. I think they're going to need to up the pass rush. I don't. I don't know how good it's going to be. They're going to do their amoeba. They're going to do their scheme, which we saw a lot today. But is that going to be enough at the end of the day against good teams? It hasn't been in the recent years. The, the reason I asked just quickly, Mike. Sorry. The, the reason I asked just quickly is because you, you said something along the lines of their defense should, you know, is going to have to carry them in the early part of the year until their offense figures it out. Mm-hmm. I thought with this team it was going to be the opposite, Greg. Yep. I thought the better talent was on offense. If their defense has to cover for them. I feel like they're going to be in trouble. I don't think they're there yet. They could okay, be. hold hold that thought. We've got uh, uh, more of your calls, more on that, and three up and three down with Bedard right after the update. Is now your time to make home sweet home even sweeter? When you are ready to refinance, Wells Fargo is here to help you use the power in your property. Whether you want to make home improvements or just make more great moments in the home you love. No matter your reasons to refinance, now's your time. Get started at wellsfargo.com slash time to refi. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank, N.A. NMLSR ID 399801, Equal Housing Lender. The most popular afternoon radio show in Boston. Back in your face, suck it! Felger and Mass, 98.5, the sports hub. And now, it's time for three... Touchdown! Patriots! Two big throws on his drive by Mac Jones, your quarterback. What a throw on the skinny. I'll take more of this, please. Three down. Put a jacket on him. He don't want to be out here. Sit him down. With Greg Bedard from BostonSportsJournal.com. Three up. I know you're very results-oriented. I get that. Three down. It's a fail all around. Fail, fail, fail. On Felder and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, let's do this. Three up, three down with Bedard. New open. So it's also a good time to tell you sponsorships are available. Highly rated segment. (laughs) This is usually from the previous uh, week's game, but, you know, in the preseason, we sort of uh, move it around a little bit. So let's say three up, three down over the last uh, six days or so since last week's preseason game. So the preseason game Thursday up through today's joint practice with the Carolina Panthers. Greg Bedard, who's trending? Who's your number one stud over that week? Jalen Mills, cornerback. I mean, he's just been he's been outstanding to me, to, just like we talked about before. He's really taken another step. Um, I, I think it was Adrian Phillips told reporters today that 
that Mills wants to be like a top cornerback. He wants to be a number one and can't argue with what he's done so far. I think he's been outstanding, and we'll see if that continues into the season. Ah, yeah, I'm gl- I, 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 real quick, I'm glad you said number one corner. I'm glad. Hold, hold that thought. We're going to circle back to that. Maz, who's your number one star? Sorry. Okay, I took a page out of the uh, Bedard playbook. I went with Yodney Kajust. Oy. I th- this guy's a mountain. I am. St- was he this big last year, Bedard? Mm-hmm. This yep. guy, and, and, that, and he's been at right tackle with win out. So I thought he looked good the other night in the game. Now he's playing. I'm starting to wonder. Mike Reese had an item on Sunday about you know Bill raving about Kajust and you know how he's come along, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm starting to wonder if Isaiah Wynn is toast, like whether they would consider moving him. Well, he hasn't been out there. And it, let me just say this about Kajust because I did talk about him last week, and he's been great in camp so far. In the game the other night, not to get too inside football, but there were a couple there were a couple blocks to show his shortcomings where. You know, he's supposed to double team and then get to the second level. And he makes a decision whether the guy's going the other way or he's just too far away from him where he still goes for the double team and he missed the second level block and it led to like a two yard gain a couple times. Those are the plays. If he's going to be a starter in this league, those are the shortcomings. He can do one on one pass rush drill. He's been kicking ass all training camp. But when you get into the game and the bullets are flying and guys are going different directions, can he make the last-minute adjustments to be an effective uh, offensive tackle? I think the question is very much unanswered right now. Okay, Maz, don't encourage him. All right? And, and if, <laughs> it, it, any more second-level blocking talk, we're, we're going to go back to the offensive play calling. All right? Second star, please. Uh, Anthony Jennings. I, I think that he's been... Out of the secondary sort of edge guys, he's been by far their best player. He's making Josh Uche and Ronnie Perkins somewhat irrelevant. He looks like he has grabbed a role on this team. Thought he was great the other night. Uh, you know, just a really good player so far. I'm going to go Miles Bryant as a return man. Like those punts that he took back the other night, I know against it was the Scorbinis, the lowest of the low. It was the Dreg League. I get it. But nonetheless, and by Dregs, I mean the bottom of the barrel. But I, I thought he looked – they need a pun returner. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? No more gunner? Okay, Greg, third, quick. Yep. Uh, Carl Davis, I'm going to give you a big fatty. And because if you want to know what two-gapping is in this scheme, watch what he did the other night. He kicked ass at the point of attack. If Devon Gottschall does more of that – and they do it in tandem, they might actually have a chance to stop right. the run this you year. You hear that out there? Watch Carl Davis two-gap. Okay, there you yep. go. Get your popcorn ready. Go ahead, Maz. Jacoby Myers. Again, I heard Phil Perry say something about him. Uh, I think that Myers has already turned into a better player than I ever thought. I feel like he's one of the few reliable things they have on offense. Three down. Greg, who's your number one dud over the last week? Cam McGrone, the linebacker. Uh, you know, he basically redshirted. He did come back towards the end of last year to practice, but yeah, he was a guy that some people talked up in the off season. I think even one of the coaches did saying like, "Oh, or it was uh, the the director of player personnel, Grow, said, oh, it's almost like you know getting a draft pick." Yeah, they drafted him in the fifth round when he was injured, which means he's more like a second or third round pick if healthy, and he's come back and he's really done nothing. He doesn't doesn't show any burst he he could be one of those guys who needs another year from the acl so i'm not completely right writing him off but he was awful in the game the other night sean wade the the so for lots of reasons one they acquired him from baltimore last year with the idea of you know long-term project it feels to me like other guys have blown by him and you tell me was there a worse play in that game the other night than the ball that hit him off the back of the helmet 
That thing was right off the back of the squash. He wasn't even looking for it. I thought he looked like completely clueless. Number two, Doug, Greg. Uh, Ronnie Perkins, the edge guy. We talked about him earlier. We, he just hasn't done anything yet. And it, he looks, you know, like I saw him in the locker room after the game, and he looks like a specimen. He looks big enough. But on the field, he looks really small, and that's that's a tough look for an edge rusher. Malcolm Butler. I, I, I think there was an outside chance that Butler was going to give him something. The first play I saw in that game against the Scrubs, again, last week, he blew a tackle. He had one later. There was a fumble recovery. Big deal. The ball rolled to him. I, Butler, to me, looks slow. I, I think he's done. Final dud, Greg. I'll just say Isaiah Wynn for not being available. I mean, this is it's pretty commonplace for him in his career so far that he's unavailable. I will say that he was finally seen on the rehab field today actually running, so that, that leads me to believe he's not that far away. But uh, – you know, for a guy who's basically takes off the off seasons and then shows up and gets hurt all the time, I mean, come on. I if I'm the Patriots, I'm taking twenty five cents in the dollar, trading him and and just trying to get back to cap space and moving on to Kajust or somebody else. Kevin Harris, running back I, again. Yeah. I, he might suck. In the little bit that I saw, he he just might be awful. I, I, what did he touch the ball? Eight times and gained like five yards or whatever the hell the number was in that game? He had nine rushing yards on six carries, right. and he had minus two on a reception. <laughs> like, I don't see anything special about him at all. Okay, your thoughts. We continue with your calls. I do want to circle back to the cornerback, the number one cornerback issue, in our long commercial-free segment next. What do you want to talk about? Mike and Framingham, what? Felger and Mass. Hey, I, I love your show. I don't agree with anything you guys ever say, though. More Felger and Mass on 98.5, the sports app. Philosophically, uh, you need a number one quarterback. Is that just a silly thing that we do with depth charts? Or is it going to be a matchup thing? Or do you like having like the guy for your defense? For our defense? Sorry. I'm confused. Sorry. Yeah, I must have messed that question up. We have a number one quarterback. Cor- Max, corner, our quarter. Corner, sorry. Cornerback. Like, yeah, okay. sorry. Do you feel like you need a number one cornerback? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, defensively, you have who you have, and you play with who you play with. I don't know. I number them however you want. It doesn't make any difference to me. I mean, you've got to put 11 guys out there, and they got to play well together. It's whoever those 11 guys are. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Number one, number two. Number one tackle, number two corner. I'm not sure. I'm confused about that. So give me a second on this. Once we got past the initial dinkishness about corner or quarterback, do you think he was really confused on that? I mean, do you th- was the kid really meaning quarterback? Did he really mean who's number one quarterback? Did the kid mean that when he asked that? Or was he talking corner? Okay, so you pass that first initial annoying layer from Bill. This thing about number one corners. Yeah, I don't care about number one. Number For two, our defense. One. Yeah, right, exactly, Bill. Do you, do, you, do you really think he was asking you who your number one quarterback was? Were you really For confused? our defense. Yeah, or you're just kind of being a dick. Uh, so it's, you know, that's sec- that second thing. But the whole number one corner thing, now we got past that. Now we got to the number one corner thing. Now here's more disingenuousness. Do you think Maz Bill really doesn't understand the importance of a number one cornerback? 
No, I would think that he understands it as much as anybody because he traded for Akeem to leave and signed Darrell Rivas. So, uh, and then, you know, at the end signed of the day. Signed Stephon Gilmore. Uh, yeah, so, right. You know, and decided yeah, not to sign J.C. Jackson, assigned him a value where he said, you know what, you're not a number one cornerback. We're not going to pay you. This is a team. He inherited Ty Law. Then they went to Asante Samuel. Then there was a little lull there, and they brought it right back, though, with they went right from one to the next to the next. Akib Talib, Darrell Rivas, Malcolm Butler, Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson. All legit number one corners. So that's more disingenuousness. That that's that's what you would say when you don't have a number one corner. But I, I, I think there is even though Bill's had these guys in the past, Greg, I think there is something Bill hates about the number one corner. And I, I there's, there's a couple of things. One, you gotta pay them. Those guys are super expensive. One of the most expensive positions on the field, that elite number one outside corner. You gotta pay through the nose. And number two, they're often a handful, you know. Bill probably looks like now this effing guy thinks he's Deion Sanders, and you got to deal with sort of the ego and the attitude that comes along with the, the swagger at that position. And I think Bill, I think Bill would love to live in a world where there's no number one quarterback or number one corner. He, he, he may look at them in roughly the same way, but either way, as it relates to this whole team, you think Jalen Mills? You think Jalen Mills can be that guy? You said he wants to be. Can he be? Probably he's a cut below that, but I look, all I can do is tell you what I've seen on the field so far, and Jalen Mills has been their top cornerback. He's been a really good player. Is he going to be able to eliminate a receiver? Because uh, you know, usually what the Patriots do is they take their top cornerback and they eliminate usually the second option, and then they use a cornerback and a safety over the top to eliminate the first option. Uh, is he capable of doing that? I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly have my doubts, but to this point, got to give him credit. He's he's taken a step forward, and he is at least part of the conversation right now. You know why he's looked good so far? Because he's playing against the Patriots. <laughs> and when he isn't, he's playing – well, he didn't play against the Giants, but he's playing against the Panthers, who have no quarterback. Like I, So the part that worries me, and this is the, always the danger in preseason football – is who you're going against. It's hard to gauge. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to read. So, look, I think the guy might be perfectly good as a right corner, as a second corner, but they don't have a first. And if they were to put him over the left side, toast city. Uh, he will get absolutely freaking barbecued. Feels that way. Feels like it's a zone defense. Get the hell back. Uh, you know, flow to the ball, make the tackle. Like, that's the kind of defense. I don't know how they, you know. Mills, I, I look, I don't think he's that guy. I don't. Uh, back to your calls. Pedro's in Hopetale. Go ahead, Pedro. Greg, in your mind, you know, how far away is the offense from really being actually ready to go? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, after week 10, the schedule gets, you know, extremely tough compared to the front end, front end of the schedule. And I'm, my concern is that they play themselves out of a playoff spot before they even get there. Greg, is the offense ready to go, simply put? No. No, it's not ready to go right now. Will it be ready by the start of the season? Could be. I mean, I'm not going to rule it out. It doesn't look like it. But look, the Patriots need to hit the ground running. You know, I know we've talked about it last year, even though, of course, Adam Jones took took the conversation completely out of context, but about what the first four or five weeks mean. And, you know, when I talked about it last year, it was more – in regards to Cam Newton and, like, you know, maybe start the season with Cam Newton and then go to Mac Jones when he's a little bit more ready or, or healthy, what have you. But in terms of this team, 
They can't afford a slow start. They can't. This team cannot go one and three with this schedule with the AFC. You know where they are. I mean, the Dolphins. You know, we all know what that entails at Pittsburgh, and then the Ravens and at the Packers. To me, they have to go two and two in the first month, or else they're cooked. So they, you know, they can't wait. They they need to be ready to go. And and I'm not going to rule it out. Yes, I've been harsh on the team to this point. I just think I'm being honest. I'm reflecting what's been on the practice field accurately, and that's where they've been. They took a step today. Once the final preseason game against the Raiders is over, they're going to have about 11 days behind closed doors to to get things done, to get things up to speed. There won't be any element of surprise, you know, like uh, Robert Griffin thinks there's going to be in terms of the play caller and what they're doing. No, they're going to have to go out there and line up against the Dolphins' defense that is way ahead with one of your former coaches. They've all been in the system forever. They're going to have a new-look offense with a ton of weapons. Like, the Patriots need to be ready to go in week one, you know, or they could get waxed in that game. So you mentioned it last hour. I love this comp of of the Dolphins are doing the same thing you're doing in terms of installing a new offense, and it's the same, roughly the same offense, except they've brought in a kid from that system to come in here and install it. So it'll be nice, and and, and, hey, it's possible that Miami falls on their face again because that's what Miami's done for 30 years, and you're actually pretty good in this offense, and then wouldn't that be something if Bill could sit back and go, huh, well, I guess it isn't uh, rocket science. I, 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 I guess we're not splitting the atom. I guess we don't have to bring in one of uh, Shanahan's acolytes or one of these kids to install this offense. It's really not that complicated. We did it. I did it with a couple ex-defensive and special teams guys. How do you like that? I mean, it, it could go that way. Which again, it could go. And I think that's a good comparison, Mike. And, and you can also do it you know, going to the Dolphins on the defensive side of the ball. Because Josh Boyer who was here forever, has been there, has installed that system. It's the Patriots' defense. They have probably better personnel. We'll see. On offense, both teams are installing, quote-unquote, the same system. I, I, I would take it the Dolphins are going... They're going fully into it, where the, I think the Patriots are just using this as a two-down, sort of early-down package for them, not the entire scheme. But, you know, we'll get a good barometer on where each program is... After week one. So all I'm doing there, folks, is also setting up the other thing, which is Miami looks like it really has the offense. They're more dialed in. And then if we're just being fair, you say that the coaching mattered and they did it the right way, bringing actually someone in from that system. They installed the system they were familiar with. They weren't jumping through any hoops with different guys with no titles or different titles or working with this group than that group and taking training camp time to figure it all out. It's all going to be laid out for us. What does the Dolphins' offense look like? What does the Patriots' offense look like? And I'm not just talking about the talent. Obviously, Pats don't have someone like Tyreek Hill. But the quarterback's better. I mean, I think Mac Jones should be better than Tua Tungavailoa. So let's see. This, these are things that I love, Maz. It's, when it's over, you don't even have to speculate anymore. Scoreboard. Yeah, you're once, licking your chops at these once takes. I, well, no, but I mean, look, I'm fair, unlike the rest of you. I'm fair. I, I I laid out that first scenario. It's entirely possible the Dolphins fall flat on their face again, and you get your bleep together, and then Bill Belichick and the rest of you out there will have every right to sit back and say, huh, I guess Belichick doesn't suck. And I guess, you know, the, the, the next young thing out of that McVay system isn't all that great, and you'll be absolutely right. But if it's the other way, then it's, I mean, it's this is the best. It's not even really... 
I won't even need to take your calls. It'll be settled, right? The thing will be settled. Simple as that. Exactly. <laughs> we do have three, uh, three hours to go. I want Greg's thoughts on uh, uh, Mac Jones and how he has looked so far and how he is progressing through his offseason. Uh, it hasn't been a seamless transition into year two for Mac Jones. We'll talk about where he is today after Murray's 90-second update. No commercials and your calls if you want to jump on a couple open lines at 617-779-0985. The Fluent and McDonald's deal. Because sometimes... Mm. Mm-mm-mm. You can have a full-on conversation. So good. Without uttering. You don't finish out? A single word. Uh-huh. There's a deal for every unspoken word at McDonald's. Now, get a McChicken or a McDouble. Choose two for just $3.99. Pick two of the same or mix and match. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Price and participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with combo meal.